is withering, someone with a green thumb might come along and nurture it back to health again. We might call that reviving that plant. When a, when a Broadway show has been out of production for a while, I guess they've all been out of production for a while, but, but when someone brings it back to the stage, they call it a, a revival of that show. If a fire burns low, someone puts new kindling on it, maybe blows across the, uh, the coals, then we say that they've revived the fire. If, uh, if someone uh, passes out and then they, they, they come, out, come to again, we say that they've been revived. And, and all of those uh, scenarios involve breathing new life into something again. There, there had been life once, it kind of waned, and now new life has sprung up again. Revival. And, and it may be that today, as, as uh, we're uh, hopefully, and it seems as though we are emerging from this pandemic, or, or maybe you're just walking through life right now and you have this sense, man, I, I just, ugh. I, revival might be the most important thing that you need. Uh, your, your spiritual life maybe is waning and is, uh, needs to spring up again to be refreshed, to be revived. And that's what has kind of inspired this, uh, this series over the past month or so as we studied these, well, I don't know, kind of wild stories in, uh, first and second chronicles. Uh, Ezra writing this history of, of their people, uh, to, to the people that he's pastoring as they together come back from exile to start over again, to, to revive life again in the land with God, uh, uh, and he's he's written first and second chronicles to help them know their history and teach lessons from that. Last week we we looked at uh, several generations of kings who weren't all bad, but uh, we we learned that they didn't follow. Uh, just uh, 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 such an important uh, concept. They didn't follow God wholeheartedly, partial heartedly, half heartedly. Uh, uh, the, the next king up after after those that we walked through uh, last week, the next king was Ahaz, and uh, and and he broke that pattern, but in a bad way. He went from they, they went from mediocre to awful. Uh, Ahaz did evil, detestable things. Uh, he blatantly defied what God wanted his uh, for his people. Uh, he not only allowed idol worship, he promoted it. Uh, in the process, he ransacked the temple. He demolished the furniture. He took out the precious metals. Then he locked the doors and didn't let anybody back in. And that's the setting into which Ahaz's son Hezekiah steps into power. The, the people had, had completely fallen away from God. Hezekiah turned all that around. Second Chronicles uh, chapter 29, verses 1 and 2. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. So generations, great, 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 great grandfather David, he's doing what David had. In Second Kings, um, it, it talks about Hezekiah as well, 18.5. Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. So Hezekiah is the best of all the kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, he trusted God, he did the right things, and Ezra wrote his story in order to teach about revival. 
If, uh, if, if you read, uh, second chronicles chapters 28 to, uh, to 32, you would see that Hezekiah's reign included a lot of awesome things and we're just, it's too much. We, I mean, we could do a whole series just on Hezekiah. Obviously, the best king, right? But, uh, I mean, there was divine intervention in his life, uh, in the midst of battle. There's, uh, extreme reliance on God in the face of, uh, difficulty, uh, prayer in impossible circumstances. He was healed of disease. Uh, God gave him miraculous signs, but more than anything else, Hezekiah Hezekiah's legacy is a legacy of revival. Hezekiah breathed new life into the spiritual lives of his people, lives that had been all but dead as they followed these mediocre uh, uh, kings and then this evil king, Ahaz. So Hezekiah started his reign by giving instructions to the people, specifically to the, uh, the priests and Levites, about the temple. So 2 Chronicles chapter 29, we'll jump in at verse 3 uh, and hit just the highlights today. It says, in the first month of the first year of his reign, so right off the, it could have read, read right off the bat, Probably they didn't have bats back then. But uh, in the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites. He assembled them in the square on the east side and said, listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico, put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings in the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Now, I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger, anger will turn away from us. So if we read on down there, we would see that in just over two weeks... Uh, the, the priests and Levites cleaned up the temple. They got rid of all the things that King Ahaz had done to defile it. And then Hezekiah, once it was all set, Hezekiah called everybody together. And um, for lack of a better term, they had church. <laughs> they, uh, uh, verse 27 puts it this way. Hezekiah gave the order to sacrifice the burnt offering on the altar. As the offering began, singing to the Lord also began, uh, c- accompanied by trumpets and the instruments of David, king of Israel. The whole assembly bowed in worship with the musicians playing and, and the trumpets sounding. Uh, all this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was completed. Uh, when the offerings were finished, the king and everyone pres- present with him knelt down and worshiped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshiped. Hezekiah ushered in revival. These are the same people that had been uh, worshiping idols, uh, that had been literally, if we read all about it, Ahaz, we would see that, that they were sacrificing their children in the fire. Uh, and, and now these same people, Hezekiah is leading them to revival. His reform centered around the temple in Jerusalem, right? Where, where, uh, where, where, where it was the heart of worship, the, the place where God dwelt. It had fallen into disrepair. It had been abandoned, locked up. Hezekiah revived it, and in doing that, he revived the people. You say, well, how do we apply that to, uh, to our lives today? Uh, we have to think about what is the temple today. And the first thing that might come to your mind is, is that uh, that's the church, right? And so I guess this needs to be a sermon on cleaning the church. So if we could just get a few more volunteers to get in here and... Actually, we do need a couple more volunteers, but that's, that's not what the sermon's about. Uh, we're, we're, it's not about the building. God's presence is not uh, just 
limited, confined to a building, right? Uh, He has given us his spirit, and that spirit dwells within us, within his followers. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are what? God's temple, and God's spirit dwells in your midst. You are God's temple. So, so uh, we are the temple of God if we're following him. So if we are to gain any insight from the story of Hezekiah and his reforms of the temple back then, we have to see what he did with that temple and apply it not to a building somewhere. We need to apply it to our own hearts and lives, the place where God dwells. And so this morning, just, uh, uh, just a, a few things. I'm sure it's a lot more nuanced than this, but, but I think there's uh, three specific steps that Hezekiah went through in his path to revival, in his path to leading the people to, uh, to reviving, to turning around from uh, where they had been and walking to uh, where, they, where they needed to be with God. And the first step was that he put God back on the throne Despite every influence to the contrary, Hezekiah made the decision that, that God would be Lord of his life. Everything else Hezekiah did uh, uh, grew out of that foundational decision. Uh, Hezekiah's father, Ahaz, awful, awful, wicked man, did not set a good example for his son. We don't have any record of, of where Hezekiah uh, got the influence to turn to God uh, instead of following the, uh, the, the bad influence of his, uh, of his father. But, but uh, somewhere along the way, he, he made that decision to put God back on the throne. Uh, God was Lord of Hezekiah's life. I, I recently read that it is impossible for anyone to say the phrase, no Lord. No, Lord. If God is truly Lord of your life, you won't say no. Uh, We don't use the term Lord much these days unless you're currently binging Downton Abbey or The Crown or something like that. Maybe you're you're Lord so-and-so and and such and such. But Lord simply means someone who has power, authority, or influence. Uh, A a synonym could be uh, master or ruler. So Hezekiah started by acknowledging God's authority over his life as his master. He put God back on the throne, not just on the throne of the country, but the throne of his heart. Your spiritual life, our spiritual lives will not be revived until we put God on the throne as master. That he is in charge, we are not, he is Lord, and we don't say no to the person that's in charge because we are wholeheartedly committed to him. It's, it's that same wholehearted commitment that's kind of been a theme running through all of these stories in, in uh, First and Second Chronicles as Ezra uh, writes it. He, he loved that phrase. Uh, and, and we will not experience a close life with God if we're not submitted to the authority of God as our Lord. Hezekiah acknowledged that he wasn't the actual king, God was. And he put God back in his rightful place on the throne. Uh, the, the question we have to, to answer if we're thinking about uh, reviving our spiritual lives, is God on the throne of our hearts? In, in, in a little while, we're going to celebrate communion at the close of our service today. And that's a question we have to answer as we approach the table together. Is God on the throne? Are, are we following him? It's the first step that Hezekiah took in bringing revival to the people. The second step was that he cleaned up the clutter. 
after Hezekiah uh, had set his mind toward renewal, the next thing he did was to, to clean out the temple. Well, he appointed people to go in and to clean out the temples. And so they opened the doors and I just picture, you know, the doors open and the, the dust is swirling and everything's just, I mean, it, it had been, it had been, uh, uh, you know, locked up. Uh, the, the, it had, Things had been destroyed or taken out or, or just, you know, uh, disheveled and, uh, and, and then had been closed up for over 10 years. And I, I can imagine what it looked like. I can imagine what it smelled like. You've walked into a, a, a place that's been closed up for a long time and the mustiness and the, uh, some, depending on what crawled in there and, and, uh, maybe, never crawled back out again. And, and, uh, so it, it just, I can just imagine. I mean, it ransacked and then closed up. If we read through that, it actually names the Levites that were involved in this. Um, uh, there were 13 guys, and it took them over a week just to get through what, what they call the portico to the main doors. Uh, and, and then uh, uh, another week or so, a little bit more than a week, and they cleaned everything out, and, and, uh, and they were paving the way for revival. And it's a great image, I think, as we think about what has to happen in our own hearts, in our own lives, in order to truly experience life with God, abundant life. We have to get rid of the clutter and anything unclean. But, but we do live cluttered lives. Patrick Morley once said, the American gospel has evolved into a gospel of addition without subtraction. It is the belief that, that we can add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. It is a, a change in belief without a change in behavior. A changed life is one that has added Christ and subtracted sin that attracts a world weary uh, of worn out words. Obedience is the proof. We have to do a deep clean. We, we, it starts with, with evaluating our lives. I think even more than that, it starts with inviting God to evaluate our lives, right? Because when we evaluate our lives, we tend to justify a whole lot of things. Uh, but if we get God to come in and say, that needs to go, and that we need to move over here, and, and this, uh, there's no point in, in even dabbling in that, and, and, and we invite him in to clean it's kind of the uh, uh, I don't know there's there's quite a few shows that have been on uh, over the over the years about cleaning up decluttering getting organized I I, I don't know there's I, I've seen a few of them I guess but hoarders uh, one there's one called hot mess house some of you relate to that one right now you're testifying you've got a hot mess I don't know uh, Marie Kondo anybody seen the whole Marie because I mean you just does it bring me joy does it bring me joy? If it brings me joy, then I'm going to keep it. If it doesn't, then we're going to, you know, we, we, can, we can send it to somebody else where maybe it'll bring them joy, right? All these, they have a different approach, uh, uh, whatever. Some of them put, put three different tarps on the front lawn. Uh, and uh, it's uh, what the, 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 the throwaway pile, the maybe throwaway pile, and the keep pile. And it usually starts out that everybody, the, the homeowners, want everything on the keep pile. And by the end, the person that's helping them moves three-fourths of that over to the throwout pile. Uh, it, it, cleaning up, decluttering. Uh, people try to hold on to all sorts of things and they're really just cluttering up their homes, right? We do that spiritually. So many things, so many things clutter up our lives. 
Of course, uh, we can talk about sin and uh, the consequences of sin and how it blocks our way for the, the way for God to work in our lives. So, so uh, uh, we always have to be asking him to reveal the things that are offensive to him in our lives, get rid of those sinful and destructive habits. That's a, a huge part of, of, of cleaning up our lives so that we can step, uh, step in with God. We, as as uh, Patrick Morley said, we have to uh, not just add God but subtract sin, allow him to point those things out and be willing as we have put him on the throne of our hearts he's in charge whatever he directs we do it we obey him and so we do that but but cluttered isn't just the sinful things it could be things that are just fine but maybe not right for you right now I I I mean I think today there's just so much there's so much of everything and we have FOMO, right? We have the fear of missing out. We want to participate in everything. And so we consume and we binge and we scroll and we accumulate and it clutters up our lives and it keeps us from intimacy with God. We have to be intentional about this. Hezekiah had to, had to go against the current of how everybody was living. It would have been easy for him to just step in and just to let everybody keep doing what they were doing. But he had, he wanted to get things on track. So he put a hard stop on all that evil, wicked stuff that they were doing. He even had to be intentional and, and spend, uh, uh, 16 days, uh, just uh, having these guys clean out the temple. He enlisted help. It took time. It took hard work. Uh, I've, I've said it a lot in a lot of different ways. I'm going to say it again today. You will not coast into a close relationship with God. You're not just going to slide in there and it's just going to happen someday. I'm just going to have a close relationship. It's an intentional. We experience revival when we pursue it. You will not experience revival if you're just coasting along in life, allowing whatever to clutter things up. Pursuing God has a lot to do with getting rid of the clutter and letting God do his cleansing work. So Hezekiah put God back on the throne. He cleaned up the clutter and then the next step, it all led to worship, right? After Hezekiah received word that the temple had been cleaned, uh, he called the people to worship. And, and it wasn't just for a, uh, an hour long service. Uh, it wasn't even just for a day. Hezekiah set in motion a system where they would keep worshiping and keep following God. Their worship was evidence of their renewed commitment to God. And that's what happens when we submit to God's leadership and we let him clean us up. We're, we're drawn to worship him. We celebrate who he is. We celebrate what he's doing. And it's not just about attending a service every so often. In, in our culture today, that's how we've come to express worship. We go to a worship service, or we even talk about it, and, and, and we do just because that's, that's, that's how it is. But, but we think about the songs uh, in the service as the, the part where we worship. That's the worship part. And then, then the, oh, the pastor gets up and does his thing, right? But, but uh, it, it, or we call all of it a worship service. But it's more, it's more than a building. It's more than a gathering. Worship is life. Life committed, to, living my life committed to God. My work is my worship as I work wholeheartedly if I'm working for God, not just my boss. Uh, my use of my free time is worship if I bring God glory in how I'm using that time and, and using my energy. My relationships are worship as I, as I treat others as I would treat God. My character, my ethics, my habits are worship as God works in my life. All of my, if God is on the throne and we're letting him uh, declutter us, get us, get us back to living life with him, all of life, every breathing moment of our lives should be worship. Worship certainly doesn't 
just involve what we get out of it, right? That's that's complete opposite of what worship is. Worship is not about you. Sorry, maybe you thought it was. Um, worship is 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 completely and utterly focused on God. So so when you leave a service on a on a Sunday morning or even today, as, as you walk out today, the question running through your mind shouldn't be, "Well, what did I get out of that today?" You should be asking, "Well, how did I do?" How did I do? How, was, was that worship? As, as we come down to the end of each day and we think back over what we've done, how we've worked, how we've interacted with people, what we've, what we've said, uh, uh, how we've responded, uh, how did we do? How, have we truly lived a life of worship? That is a revival. That is, that is living life abundantly with God. So Hezekiah put God back on the throne. He had, uh, he had gotten uh, shoved to the side and, uh, and further through the generations before him. Hezekiah intentionally put God back on the throne. He decluttered. He got rid of all the stuff that was keeping the, uh, himself and the people from experiencing life with God. And he led them into a life of worship. And that's, that's a pattern that we need to follow if we're going to experience revival. Hezekiah, like I said, the story is, 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 is a big one. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, kids this week, I think on Wednesday, are going to he- hear part of Hezekiah's story as part of the, uh, the vacation Bible school this week. A lot of, lot of stuff there. Best king before or after, first, uh, Second Kings says. I think the, the, the biggest thing we need to learn from Hezekiah is how he led these people in revival and how we need to allow God to clean us up and live lives of worship. Father God, we offer ourselves to you today. Forgive us for uh, the things that, uh, that maybe we've allowed to clutter our lives. As we approach the table today, as we think about uh, what, what you have done for us, the sacrifice uh, in Jesus, as you have given your body broken for us, as, as your blood was spilled for us, as, as, as that gift of your sacrifice has, has paid the price for our sin, Lord, we are, we are so grateful. Words cannot express our gratitude. Lord, as we, as we walk through this practice together, I pray not only will you, will you confirm in our hearts that things are right in our relationship with you, but, but as we go from this place in just a few minutes, that we can go knowing that you go with us and that you are leading us in a life of worship. That as we go to our, our jobs this week, as we serve at Vacation Bible School this week, as we, as we spend time with our, with our family, our extended family, our friends uh, in, the, in the community, Lord, I pray that we can live lives of worship, that you are, you are at the center, that all that we do, all that we say, all that we are is focused on you. And so, Lord, we offer ourselves to you today as we, as we walk through this time of communion together. In Jesus' name we pray.